Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to worship with all of you this morning. It's great to have you online as well. Yesterday, my wife and I, we made plans to go see the Jesus Revolution movie at 6.30 p.m. You could clap for that, I guess. Go ahead, sure. And so I did what I always do. I have the app on my phone at Imagine Theater Rochester. It's where we like to go, and I I book the tickets. Well, we show up at 6.30 to the theater we're supposed to enter, and when we get in there, I realize something. One, the movie had already started, and two, there was no row G where I was supposed to go. So I was like, ah, something's wrong. So I went and I talked to one of the workers there and I showed him, I said, hey, I can't find my seat. And he said, that's because you booked Imagine Macomb, not Imagine Rochester. I'd never done this before. Never done this before in my life. So Megan got on her phone and she found out that Imagine Birmingham had a show in a half hour that we could make. So we drive down to Birmingham, which we've never really, I think we've been to that theater maybe once in our lives, and uh, we watched the movie. And afterwards, we met an amazing couple in the elevator, which I think was a divine appointment. We started talking, and they are here this morning. I just want to welcome Lorenzo and Chelsea. Thank you for coming out this morning. I really believe it's God. I really believe in divine appointments, so it's good. It's been a crazy couple years, wouldn't we say? Would we agree? You know, back in 2019, I remember this vividly before the pandemic, before anything happened. I remember surveys were coming out. And it was saying like two out of three people, two out of three Americans struggle with mental health issues, depression, anxiety. There were a lot of books coming out telling people to slow their lives down and reflect. All this started happening in 2019 and then all of a sudden, something that hit the entire world happened, a worldwide pandemic. And throughout that year, 2020, we were hit with some crazy things. Let's just, let's just remember for a minute some of the things that happened. We were asked to stay home in our homes for the first time. In my lifetime, anyway, I don't know about yours. Places of businesses were closed. Schools were closed. There were work from home mandates. Grocery stores were being flooded with desperate people just trying to survive. We had riots in the streets, political unrest, racial tension, complete and utter pandemonium happening. And then we had the shortages, car shortages, chip shortages, lumber shortages, toilet paper shortages, bicycle shortages, Coin shortages, baby formula shortages, and multiple other food shortages, including my favorite pepperoni from Kroger that still is not back on the shelves yet. Not bitter about it, but someone do something about this, please. Sports seasons were canceled or postponed. News and TV, do you remember? They were doing it from their homes, on their smartphones. People weren't coming in to the office to record anything. We had all kinds of different things. There were West Coast fires that broke out. And then remember the murder hornets that were hitting Michigan? (laughs) Then tragedy really struck. Prince Harry and Meghan left the royal kingdom. I mean, come on. (laughs) Spy balloons are being shot down right here in Michigan. Russia invading Ukraine. And on top of that, we're dealing with all the normal stuff of life. How to deal with loss. 
how to deal with a bad medical report, how to deal with family members and friends and, and broken relationships. You see, it was a crazy time for a while. It still seems a little crazy at times. I mean, the world's getting further and further away from God's truth and in a biblical worldview. In fact, we're calling it a post-truth era all over the world. And so you start asking yourself questions like, oh, you know, when is this going to stop? Is this the end? I mean, is this the end of the world as we know it? Is it Are we going to get a break from this? Is all hope lost? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to fight? Are we supposed to stand for what we believe in? How are we supposed to respond to what's happening in the world? And it just feels at times like every time we defeat an enemy, another one shows up and we're surrounded at all times by different enemies and we're just sitting there going, God, what are we supposed to do right now? And sometimes it's when we're desperate and we're surrounded by enemies on all sides, that's when God wants to show up and move. And the reason is, is because we're out of options. We've tried everything on our own already. And God's like, are you ready to take a step back and let me do what I'm going to do? And I think that's the season we're in. I think we're in a season where God wants to show up for us. I think we're in a season where God wants to move in our lives. I think we're in a season where God wants to stir our hearts again. Bring that passion for him back. That devotion for him back. I think there's a hunger growing in the church right now for God to move and for us to see some incredible things again. So this morning what I want to do is I want to take a look In the book of 2 Chronicles 20, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen. We are going to be talking about King Jehoshaphat. Now, King Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king of a nation. And everyone looked to him for guidance. 35 years old, and everyone was looking to him for wisdom. Are you going to be a king that does evil in the eyes of the Lord? Are you going to be a king that does what's right in the eyes of the Lord? And he was one of those kings that did what was right. He brought the word of God back to the people. He sent people out to share people, to tell people, hey, let's not forget the word of God and how important it is to live our lives by it. He sought God's face. He had a passion for the Lord. And he spread that out throughout Judah. So let's pick up this story in verse 1. says this, after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. It's not good. Messengers came to and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazizan, Tamar, that was uh, another name for En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat, verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He was terrified. That word in the Hebrew language, yare, literally means terrified. Isn't that great insight? The Bible says he's terrified and the Hebrew says he was terrified. Okay. But he was terrified by the news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He sought the Lord for guidance. Then he does something 
for everyone else. He says, also, he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. I want to paint this picture for a second. King Jehoshaphat, he's the king of this people, God's chosen people. He's trying to do everything right. And he gets word that three of the most powerful nations in the world have all united together and started marching to destroy him and his people. That's a little scary. Let me put it in perspective. You know, it'd be like China, Russia, South Korea, us getting news. They're all in the air on their way right now to overtake and overthrow the United States of America. It'd be a little bit scary. I don't know about you, but I think if I were Jehoshaphat, the first thing I would have done is said, okay, let's come up with a plan. I'm gonna get my military generals, I'm gonna get my best soldiers, I'm gonna get everybody that knows how to fight and pick up a weapon, and we're gonna make our stand right here. Let's get a plan to fortify the city. But that's not what Jehoshaphat does. No. He had a desperate faith. And he said, I'm going to seek God for guidance. I'm going to beg the Lord for guidance because you know what? I can't do this on my own. You know, sometimes as leaders... Whereas people in authority, you think, man, I got to have the answer. Someone comes to me with this problem. Hey, you got enemies on all sides. Hey, I got all these things against me. And we got to have answers. We got to have wisdom. We got to say, okay, okay, this is what you do. You go A, B, C, and your whole life will, will work out okay. Just do these three things. That's not what Jehoshaphat did. He went to the Lord. That's the first thing he did, is he prayed. And that's the first thing I think we need to do. When we feel attacked, when we feel like there's enemies on all sides, when we feel the walls are caving in, when we get a bad medical report, when we experience loss, when our kids aren't serving the Lord, when things are going wrong in the country or in the world, when there's unrest, when there's argument, when there's people don't agree with the biblical moral standards that we have, I think the first thing we need to do, it's not fight. It's not come up with a plan. It's pray. It's go to God with it. That's what Jehoshaphat did. Verse 5, it says, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Down to verse 9, they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us. Listen to this, church. And you will hear us and rescue us. You will hear us and you will rescue us. Man, if we just put that one verse, verse nine, whenever calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, whenever, whenever, whenever anything happens in our lives, we can come and stand in your presence and honor your name, and we can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and you will rescue us. Prayer. Prayer is powerful. And it's not just powerful because it moves the heart of God. It changes our mindset. In fact, Dr. Carolyn Leaf 
puts it this way. She says, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes a day. What do you spend 12 minutes a day doing? Probably more than that on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Probably 12 minutes a day reading articles that make you angry about what's happening in the world. What if we took just 12 minutes a day and we said, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to seek God with everything that's going on in my life. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to tell him how holy and wonderful and amazing he is. And then I'm going to lay my stuff, all my requests before him. And I'm going to say, God, you know what? These are all the things that are on my mind right now. These are all my heartaches. These are all my uncertainties. These are all the things I'm unsure of in the world. And I want to fight. And I'm upset. And I'm angry. And I'm desperate. But will you do something? Because your word says that you'll rescue me. And I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. Will you show up and move in my, on my behalf? You know, I remember when the pandemic first broke out and we were shutting down churches and everything was, we were streaming, everything was online. I remember a group of Christians Not all, but a group of Christians who said, we just need to pray. I mean, they were adamant about it. We need to pray. We can't fix this. We need to pray. People from this church would come in here and they'd pray. We'd have Zoom prayer meetings going on. I remember there were worldwide Zoom prayer meetings happening. We're leaders of churches all over the world. We're saying, let's just pray that God would move in this season, that he would do it, that he would do something that no one else can do. And while a lot of people were fearful, a lot of people were fighting, a lot of people were scared, anxious, depressed, there was a group that said, God's got this. And I'm so thankful for that group of people because I really believe it's the prayer warriors that usher in the peace of God and the moves of God. So King Jehoshaphat, he prayed. He got everyone together. That's the first thing he did is pray and then he got everyone together. He gathered them together. And he said, not only are we gonna pray, we're gonna pause our lives. We're going to hit the pause button. Doesn't matter what you got going on today. Doesn't matter what work you got to do today. Everyone, we're having a prayer meeting. Come here. It's time. We need God to move. Gathers everyone together. Verse 12, it says this. This is how they prayed together. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Man, another great line. We don't know what to do. In a world where everybody has an opinion about everything, we don't know what to do. We're looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. Get that picture in your mind, church. Men, women, children gathered together seeking the Lord. As they gathered, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, 
Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. You will not even need to fight. Now, this is interesting because there are times where the Lord did instruct his people to fight. This wasn't one of those times. And see, when you go to the Lord in prayer first, before we just react emotionally, when we're spirit-led instead of emotionally driven, the Lord will show us what to do. He'll show us what we're supposed to do. And I believe, personally, we're in a season of the Lord wanting to show up. We're not in a season of fighting. We've been fighting a lot, and it's not working. We're more divided as we've ever, as we've ever been as a country. It's not working. The fighting isn't working. And I believe God wants to say, it's not time to fight. It's time for me to move. You see, every single time we gather together, the Lord wants to move. He wants to speak to us. This church service it's not about three songs and a sermon. And then we leave this place and go, that was a good message or uh, he missed it a little this week. That's not really what this is about. This is about coming together, worshiping God, saying, God, I'm desperate for you to move in my life. And I don't know what to do so I'm just going to worship, and I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to be here amongst other people who believe what I believe. And God begins to speak, and he might speak to you through a worship set. He might personally speak to you. He might speak to you through a person, like happened in this scripture, the prophet Jehaziel got a word from God in the group meeting. And he says, I know what we're supposed to do. The Lord has spoken. This is what we're to do. See, God wants to lead us and he wants to guide us, but he can't if we're in the way. If we already have it all figured out, he can't show us what to do because we already are doing. But when we take a step back and we say, God, I need you to show me what to do. I want to pray and I want to worship and I want you to speak to me. And I want you to lead me. And I'm, I'm tired and I want you to guide me. And I want you to do something. That's when God is, he loves to move. There's something powerful that takes place when we pray and when we gather. And the third thing is when we worship. That's the next thing that Jehoshaphat led his people to do in this story. Verse 18 says this, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. 
This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord as faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. When? The very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. When you read this to the end of the story, you will find that not one person from Judah, not one of God's people, had to fight, had to lift a sword, had to do anything. They turned on each other, and then they left. God did it all. He fought the battle. And he used worship to do it. There's something powerful when we pray, when we gather, and we worship. You see, sometimes we get so riled up with news or the state of the country or things that we disagree with. And we get so riled up and we fight and we start making plans of how we're going to win this war. I've heard this be referred to as a war. How are we going to win this war? God wants to move, church. You see, God can do more than we can ever do. Wouldn't it be amazing if God just showed up because we decided to pray, to worship, to gather and operate in the love of God and in the spirit of God and get wisdom from God and then God just began to move like he's doing right now all over the country and God just starts to move. And he's like, listen, you've been trying to take ground fighting this, but let me, do, let me show you what I can do with one move. If you watch the Jesus revolution, that's what happened. Time magazine wrote about the Jesus revolution in the 70s. The first time, by the way, there was huge political unrest in our country. It was just as divided as it is right now. God moved amongst the hippies who everyone discarded and threw out. Churches wouldn't welcome them in. Probably a lot of the same people we wouldn't want in our buildings. And God said, I'm going to move. Will you let me move? Will you be open to me moving? Would you let me do something only I can do? And I don't know about you, church, but that's what I want. I want God to move. Time Magazine said, I don't know what this Jesus revolution is, but I know it's real. It's real. And it spread. And it changed the cultural values and the cultural norms. I'm going to tell you something. We don't have to fight to change the values and the norms. We've got to pray. We've got to gather. And we've got to worship. And we've got to believe God's going to do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying let's not stand for truth. Like I said, there's times in the Bible where God instructed his people to fight. This is the time. This is the time. Take your sword out. I'm going to show you how to put your boots to the ground and you're going to go do it. But there's other times, many times, like this story, where God says, I'm going to fight. You see, we get so worried about defending God and fighting for God that we forget he wants to rescue us. He wants to fight for us. He wants to be our Savior, our God. That's why he went to the cross. When the world was as dark as it could be, he sent Jesus to the cross. And when the darkest moments of history, the most brutal portions of our history, 
He sent Jesus into that darkness. And his death, resurrection, brought light to the entire world. God can do more than we can do. He can do more than we can do. At the beginning of the sermon, I told you all the things that have gone wrong since 2020, but here are some things now that are starting to go right. And if you were here Wednesday, Dave Bauer spoke and he mentioned the revival that's happening at, at, in Asbury, which is a powerful revival. What I love right now is God is moving on our college campuses. He's using Gen Z. He's using our youngest generation. The generation that a lot of people have given up on. The generation where there's been comments said about them, they're going to be the least church generation. They're not going to stand for biblical truth. They're going to mix Christianity with all kinds of new age stuff. All they do is stay on their phones. Have you seen TikTok? That's what we, that's the next generation. We start saying all these things speaking death over the next generation. And God says, watch this. I'm going to create a fire and a passion in this next generation. And they're going to be the greatest generation that America has ever seen. That's what I really believe. So if you know in Wilmer, Kentucky, maybe you don't know, there's a, a, an outpouring, an awakening happening where college students are just getting fired up for the Lord. Weeks and weeks went by where they stayed in the same chapel and they worshiped God and they prayed and people from all over the world or country, both young and old, flocked to Asbury because there was a move of God happening. And it was done because of young people just saying, we're going to worship, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to repent, and we're going to just seek our God. No flashy names, no flashy music, no words, just a bunch of people saying, we just want God to move. A bunch of young people. From there, it began to spread. This is what Samford University, here's an expert I found on the internet about Samford University. A guy by the name of Bobby Gatlin, who's the campus pastor at Samford University, he says this about what's happening at his university. As they sang, another student arrived to pray for revival. Soon a few others joined, and God began to move. As our men's basketball game was ending, text message groups, text message group messages began to circulate, telling students to stop what they were doing and get to Reed Chapel. Hundreds of students made their way to Reed Chapel with testimonies, Bible reading, worship, and prayer lasting until 3 a.m. And at least five students had given their lives to Christ in these services. And a spirit of unity, oh man, unity and confession continues to fill the space. Man, that's what I'm praying for. A spirit of unity. A spirit of unity. Paul's ministry in Minneapolis. This is a ministry to young adults. Pastor by the name of Nick Hall, he said this after visiting Asbury. He and other leaders of the congregation felt led to change their regular monthly college and young adult service in downtown Minneapolis to simply make space for God to move. The elements were simply Bible, prayer, worship, and repentance. We said we would stay as long as people were hungry. Holding the service felt like we opened a hospital. He added, as hundreds of people flooded our space for 53 hours nonstop, with more than 50 people making professions of the faith. At times, the space was overflowing with 500 plus. At other times, it dwindled to 20. But every time we thought we would end, someone else showed up needing prayer. Starting to move. Lee University. It's happening at Lee University. Rob Fultz, a campus pastor at Lee, told about how a group of students 
had watched the events of Asbury. They asked their professor if they could go to the chapel and pray that God would move on our campus as well. The professor said yes. The class of eight to nine went to the chapel, began to pray. Within a couple of hours, the room started to fill with students, faculty, and staff. Faults added describing the continuous time of prayer and worship at Lee as a predominantly spontaneous movement of prayer and a beautifully sacred movement that continues into this week. Secular universities are starting to spread. We saw over 2,000 students repent of sin and turn to Jesus last week through events at the University of Georgia, Minnesota, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, Iowa State, and North Dakota State. These are the big, bad, secular universities. They're all they're teaching. They're brainwashing our kids. God's gonna move. He's more powerful than that. He's more powerful than that. Fox News reported that Oklahoma University football stadium was just rented out to host a student-led outreach that would hold 86 thousand students. First time any student-led outreach of that magnitude would happen in Oklahoma University. See, God's moving. He's moving. He's doing what we prayed for back in 2020. 2021, 2022, many have been praying it for years and years and years. He's moving. And he's able to do so much more than we can do by fighting. He's moving. And he's showing us the roadmap. The roadmap is simple. It's time to pray. It's time to worship. And it's time to soften our hearts. And get our own heart right with the Lord. I'm going to ask you about that right now. As we prepare our hearts for communion. I want to ask you about that. What's going on in your heart? Where is it prayer? Is it worship? Is it gathering together? Where have you maybe missed a little bit of this? Where is your heart begin to grow a little bit hard? When did it happen? What are the things that have come in the way of you just spending time in prayer and in worship? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it a past mistake? Is it a lack of fearing God? What is it? What has happened? Because I can tell you that God is looking to move and if he's gonna move, here. It's going to be because we say, listen, God, I'm willing to pray, and I'm willing to worship, and I'm willing to do it your way. Not my way, but your way. You know, something that was interesting about this movie that I saw yesterday, the pastor's daughter in the movie, it's not going to ruin it, don't worry. The pastor's daughter in the movie said something interesting. She said, Dad, before this rival, revival took place, I was on my way out because I didn't see Jesus in the church. I didn't see this radical love, this radical move. I didn't see it when I walked into church. And so the world started to pull on me and it started to make sense to try to fill that void in my life with some of the things they were telling me to do. But then the move of God happened. You opened up your church to people no one thought should come into a church. And God moved in a powerful way. And I'm all in now. You see, church, there's something about an encounter with the true God Sometimes if we're not careful, we can give people the wrong picture of God. 
But God is wanting to move, and he's wanting to move on the people that we are disgusted with right now. He's wanting to move. And it starts with us. It starts with us softening our hearts and being okay with God moving on those people's lives. Not saying, God, destroy them, wipe them off the earth, come quickly, but no, God, move and save them. Show them your truth. Show them that they don't have to turn to lies to fill the void of pain in their lives anymore, but they could turn to you to fill that void. That's what we want, church, more than anything. That's what I want. I want to read one more verse this morning. If you're feeling attacked, defeated, fearful, worried, I want to share something. Second Chronicles 20, 29 through 30. This is at the end of this story we just read. It said, when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given them rest on every side. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. But rest and peace sound kind of nice. Rest and peace sound kind of nice. And I, I love this portion because it said, when the other nations around the world heard what the Lord did, they go, oh, he must be the one true God. What happened if God began to move in such a powerful way and it happened amongst the Christian churches that everyone goes, Wow! They must be right. The word of God must be right. Maybe we've gotten it wrong. Maybe walking away from it to fill the void wasn't what we were going to, well, it wasn't the right thing to do. Maybe the drugs and the alcohol and turning to all the wrong places to fill the void wasn't the right way. Maybe universalism wasn't the right thing. Maybe the Christians got it right and we need to go back to seeking God and his word. That's what I want to see, church. That's what I want to see. I want to see God do something that only he can do, that no man could do, no woman could do, but only God could do. So we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. The, the worship team is going to sing a song over us. And I really want us to reflect. I want this to be a time of reflection on your life. How are you doing with going to God with your concerns first? How are you doing with worship? How are you doing with praying and seeking God and asking him to move on, our, on the people that maybe you don't like very much? Are you fighting first or are you seeking God first? How are we doing with the things in our life that get in, us, get in the way of our walk with the Lord? Because I can tell you there's a lot of people right now who are starting to say, you know, I don't really think I need church. I don't think I need this God thing. I'm going to go try other ways. It's happening a lot to people in my own generation. But I believe God is calling them home. I really do. And maybe you've walked away for a little bit. Maybe you haven't sought God in a while. You haven't worshiped in a while. You haven't read the word in a while. Maybe it's gotten stale or old to you. Maybe your passion is gone. I just want you to reflect on that this morning. Because I believe the next move of God starts with us humbling ourselves and saying, God, I want, I want back in. That's the beautiful thing about our God who's constantly redeeming our mistakes. He's welcoming us with open arms. So let's think about this as the worship team sings this song.
Father, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross. God, if there's something I know about this life is we need that cross so bad. Each and every day. Lord, I thank you for what you did for us on that cross so that we truly could be viewed as righteous even though we do and say some crazy things in this world, Father. Thank you for loving us enough to send your son and to redeem our mistakes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to receive communion uh, this morning, but I was telling you earlier that I really believe in this next generation. I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and I used to tell the students all the time, I don't believe you're the church of tomorrow. I think you're the church of today. Because as soon as you own your faith, which means you're reading God's word, you're seeking his face, God wants to use you. So I've asked one of our students, Bella, to come up and help me with communion. Let's give it up for Bella Gordon as she comes up here. Now, for those of you who know, just to explain, communion is symbolic, represents the blood and the body of Christ. And Paul told us to do this often. In fact, he said they broke bread in their homes daily. They were taking communion daily. So we believe this is symbolic. And that's why I believe that Bella is just as capable at leading us in this communion service as anyone else on the planet. So Bella, how are you feeling up here right now? Great. Okay. How old are you? I'm 13 years old. What school do you go to? I go to Larson Middle School. When did God start really revealing himself to you, do you think? Well, I'd known him my whole life, but I'd say it was probably when I was about nine years old. I was at a church camp, and I was just having a lot of doubts that God was really real. And I went up to the altar, and I remember I actually asked my uncle, I was like, can kids go up to the altar? I wasn't sure. (laughs) And he said, yes, of course. So I went up to this altar, and this pastor, Pastor Rick, he prayed over me, and he gave me verses, and God just moved in my heart. And now I know 100% that God is real. Amen. Amen. And then the next summer, we started going to Community Christian Church, and from there, it just all got better, and my faith started growing. So, yeah, I'd say that's when I started, when God started moving in my life. Praise God. So let me ask you this. What, what does the bread mean to us for communion this morning when we receive it? Well, I think most of us know the bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken so that we can be whole. And I've always known that, but as I was researching and looking into it for today, I was wondering, why do we take this as often as we will? Why does our church do it once a month? Why does God, Jesus say at the Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me? And I found it's just that, it's to remember. When we take communion, it doesn't just engage our mind, it engages all of our senses, and it causes us to remember God's sacrifice on the cross, what Jesus did for us. And so I'd say when we're taking this bread, we should invite God, ask him to help us remember, remember what he did for us, because communion isn't something we do for Jesus, it's something we do with him, Mm. and it's because of what he did for us. Come on. Why don't you ask people to go ahead and take that, that bread? Why don't we all take the bread together and ask God to help us remember what he did for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What about the cup? Why is that important? The cup, again, I've always known, it represents Jesus's blood, which was poured out so we can be full. But again, why do we do it once a month? 
it helps us remember. And I wanted to read this verse. Um, it's found in 1 Corinthians 11, 25, and it's Jesus, the Lord's Supper. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's the new covenant, and the last thing I think communion does for us is it fills us with hope that Jesus is coming again and inviting us to that final meal. So we can all take the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you're in this place and you are under the age of 22, would you just stand up? I want you to know that we believe in you. We believe in you and we've got your back. You're not alone. We think you're amazing. And we think God wants to use you in a powerful way in this world. Bella, will you do me a favor? Will you just pray a prayer over everyone standing right now? Lord Jesus, we just pray for the church right now. I just wanna pray we would all have that refresh on our faith today. For those of us struggling in anxiety, financial issues, God, for those of us struggling with our faith, struggling to make time for you or choose you over the world. I just pray that the communion they took today, God, it would remind them of all the sacrifices you made for them on the cross and in their lives, God. It would remind us that we too need to make sacrifices for you, Lord Jesus. Because the thing about Christians is we aren't supposed to fit in with the rest of the world. We're supposed to stand out, Lord Come Jesus. On. We're supposed to stand out. And I, re I believe revival is coming, God. Revival is coming to all of our schools. And it starts here. It starts with us. It starts in this church. It starts with us choosing you above all things. So I just pray as we go home today, It'd be different, God. Our lives would be different. Our heart would be different. And I pray that over each and every mind, soul, and body in this room. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bella. I don't know about you, but I got some hope this morning. I've got some hope for the future. We're going to be okay, church. God's doing something. We don't have to have it all figured out. I thought I did. I got to figure it out. God, how do you want us to lead in this season? We don't have to have it all figured out. We just got to pray, worship, and gather and see what he's going to do. And he's going to move. I want everyone to stand with me. The worship team is going to sing a song over you this morning as we close.